Hey, this is Life Coach David. Thanks for listening to the Law of Attraction podcast. I hope you've been enjoying Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting by Lynn Grabhorn. There's been some wonderful Law of Attraction information, and we're going to continue today with Chapter 2. If this is your first time tuning in, I've been a certified Law of Attraction Life Coach for over 10 years. And if you want to find out more about me, and possibly having coaching calls with me, you can find that out at lifecoachdavid.com. And just as a reminder, one of my favorite quotes about the Law of Attraction is by Esther Hicks, and here it is. The Law of Attraction is always consistent. What you are living is always an exact replication of your vibrational patterns of thought. And that just lets us know that we have to be so in tune with how good we're feeling because that determines our vibrational patterns of thought. If you're not feeling happy and satisfied, then you have to know what to do and you have to find out what to do to deliberately change that because we're deliberate creators. You are, I am. But in order to do that, you have to know what to do. And when you do and you practice it, wow, does life improve. And that's actually something else I help my clients with. So let's get back into the book. This is chapter two, and it's called Our Magic Genie. The process of creation is the same everywhere, whether it's a star system or designer genes. Give thought to something you've infused with the appropriate feeling, which creates the appropriate vibration, and here it comes. All the positive thoughts in the world won't make any difference nor being a good person with a generous heart, nor praying, visualizing, and meditation till dawn, nor even knocking our heads against the countless stone walls in our fervent attempts to capture lifelong dreams. None of that will create a thing until we launch the magnetic vibration to pull those dreams in through our infallible magic genie called feelings that electromagnetic authority of which dreams are made. You can take every book ever written on the subject of feelings and emotions, every class ever taught on the dark Freudian mysteries of the mind, every counseling group that has ever attempted to get us in touch with that obscure inner child, and anyone else trying to show us how to emphasize those frightening things we call feelings, and boil all the fancy techniques down to one simple remedy for creating an abundant and fulfilling life. Learn to identify a good feeling from a bad feeling. That's it. Learn to do that and you've got the course made. You can create anything your heart desires. This is the secret that transforms us into deliberate creators instead of creators by accident. This is the power that changes wishful thinking into actuality. The simple art of being able to identify a good feeling from a bad one. That's all there is to it. End of lesson. But don't worry. These kinds of feelings have nothing to do with digging up garbage from your past or confronting whatever boogeyman might be currently residing in your emotional closet. They're just the garden variety type of feelings we have all day long. But once you learn to keep track of which ones feel good 
and which ones feel less than good, you're home free. This is the nitty gritty. This is what good luck is all about. This is what closes the big sale, gets the beachfront house, fosters good health, brings spiritual fulfillment, and puts comfortable sums in the bank. Just learn to tell a wonderful feeling from an everyday downer one and watch what happens. Feelings, those things we're all so terrified of if they happen to be negative, are nothing more than electromagnetic charges of energy that go zipping through our body, set off by our thoughts. The only reason we go to such lengths to avoid them is that some of those negative emotions don't feel so hot. We don't like the sensation they give us, so we stuff them way down deep where we think we don't have to deal with them anymore and where, frankly, they're raising holy hell with our magnetics. For now, let's just look at the ones we're aware of that don't get buried. Starting with our everyday feel-bad habit. That could mean anything from flatlining, which is our normal daily state of neither up nor down, just existing, to a little bit down, to rip-roaring rage. We feel bad when we think any kind of thought that doesn't have to do with joy, like guilt, loneliness, anger, resentment, worry, doubt, frustration, stress, even mild concern. Those are all fear-based thoughts that vibrate within us at an extremely low frequency, which is why they don't feel good. They are totally contrary to our high-frequency natural state. On the other hand, we feel good when we think thoughts that have to do with joy, such as appreciation, delight, pleasure, exhilaration, enthusiasm, reverence, awe, gratitude, love, all those warm fuzzies we relish when they happen. The reason those thoughts feel so good to us is because they vibrate at a high frequency, which most definitely is our natural state. No one can swallow cut up glass and expect to feel good, yet that's what we do all day with our somber thoughts and feelings. We literally bathe ourselves in unconscious negative energy from our own thoughts as well as everyone else's, which is totally contrary to our natural state of joy, which was why we rarely ever feel pumped up. We can't. Not as long as we're swimming all day in low-frequency energy that we think is perfectly normal. So it becomes a vicious circle. Both our conscious and unconscious day-to-day -day feelings that we think are normal are sending unnatural negative vibrations throughout our body, which make us feel down or blah, or as though we're simply existing, or like we have no feelings at all. Since all of those feelings are various degrees of low-frequency energy flow, and since all we're putting out are low-frequency vibes, then low-frequency, second-rate events is all we're attracting back, which makes us feel down, which puts out more low-frequency vibrations, which pulls in more low-frequency circumstances, which makes us feel down. And around and around and around we go. Here's an example of a story I call Pat's Smiles. A couple of years ago, in one of my weekend seminars on the Law of Attraction, there was an attractive 35-ish gal, I'll call her Pat, who just couldn't seem to stop being nice. Goody two-shoes nice. 
She complimented me on my clothes, and I wear sweatpants and jeans with holes in it. She drooled verbal gratitudes all over the cook. She was forever praising the participants for their heartfelt candor as they would correlate certain unpleasant happenings of their past to their bummed-out feelings of their present. For someone so overly sunny, this guy was getting on my low vibrational nerves. After the first night session was through and we had had our before-bed snack, Pat left the dining room, walked right into the big cigarette ash can, placed outside the door and fell flat on her face into a puddle of mud. She got up all cheery. Something was definitely wrong here. The next day, it was pat as usual. Compliments, praise, perpetual little smiles, and more accidents. She bumped into a chair in the dining room. She spilled her fresh cup of coffee into someone's plate. She swallowed a candy the wrong way during someone's truly poignant story and had to be given the punch-in-the-stomach maneuver, after which she couldn't seem to stop nodding her appreciation toward the bear of a guy who had saved her life. Pat wasn't an accident waiting to happen. She was a perpetual accident in progress. Finally, with prodding from the participants, Pat's story began to unfold. She came from a deeply religious family in which being good was what you did. The dictator of this stern way of life was her father, who was also the minister of their church and a third-generation minister at that. So this show-only-goodness-to-the-world, no matter how you feel, was so deeply ingrained in her by her dad, Pat truly believed this to be an appropriate behavior. And it might have been, had it not been for the strong inner feelings of animosity that went along with her smiles. She said, I used to hate having to be so proper and flattering all the time, especially to my elders, she said quietly during one session. Complimenting adults terrified me, but I had to do it all the time. I had to do it. Pat's current life was this side of a mess. Though she had a college degree, she never moved beyond her entry level wherever she worked. She already had been through three marriages and had enough accident claims to have her auto insurance canceled. Her life had been more extreme than most, yet most of us could relate in one way or another. With her permission, we began to dissect her life as it related to her feelings. The results were stunning. It didn't take long for everyone to see how Pat's long-standing yet hidden feelings of confusion, hostility, and unworthiness had created a constant outpouring of very low vibrations with every compliment or smile she admitted. And she got it. In no time at all, she could see the direct correlation between what she had been flowing out and the results she had been magnetizing back into her life. Yuck out, yuck back. Someone said, and she could see it clearly. Pat has kept in touch and told me of a new excitement in her life that is bringing her more rich rewards than she ever dared to dream. She stopped trying to please everyone except herself, and has even ventured into offering a few criticisms now and then. She tells me she smiles only when she means it and compliments only when she feels sincere. Today, Pat is head of her own substance abuse recovery house. She's been with the same guy now for two years and hasn't so much as tapped another car. 
What we flow out is what we get back. Pat has had to work hard at changing her negative outflow, and while the negative emotions are not 100% gone, they never will be for any of us, her predominant feelings of appreciation and gratitude, as opposed to feeling hopeless and luckless, have irrevocably transformed her life. The feelings we flow out become the tangibles we attract back. It's that simple. And that's the end of that section. And that's a great example, a great story of how somebody kept attracting what they were putting out vibrationally. And until they realized that and knew what to do to change that, then it got better when she did. So, of course, that makes me want to ask who's ever listening to this, where in your life can you be more positive? Where in your life can you put out a higher vibration? Think about that. And if you do that, if you do put out a higher vibration, then you're going to reap the benefits of that. And the next section of this book is called, What Makes Feelings? Most of us have this crazy notion that we just sort of popped into this place quite by accident. Not hardly. We each came with a partner, this profoundly loving, exclusive chaperone whom we have, by and large, chosen to ignore. Call it inner being, higher self. You can call it expanded self, God self, or Mickey Mouse. Call it what you will. It's that greater part of us we're attached to that comes with the physical package. We can't be physical without it, for it's the source that keeps us alive. Not living, perhaps, but alive. It's the pure positive energy of all that is, of which we are part. The pure positive energy of life, which we are. Didn't you ever feel like there's some part of you that knows everything? There's some part of you that knows everything there is to know, but just doesn't stick its head out? There is. It's that broader, older, wiser part, that vastly expanded extension of each of us that communicates with us in the only way it knows, through feelings. This expansion of ourselves that we came in, which vibrates solely in a place which to us would feel like nirvana, and then some, way up there on the frequency scale. In fact, that part of us wouldn't know a vibration of lack or stress if it tripped over it in a black hole. But if we were vibrating that fast, we wouldn't stay physical. So we get as close as we can with the high vibrations of plain old joy, exhilaration, appreciation, elation, all those luxurious sensations that equate to happiness and well-being, which is why it feels so good to feel good. You're vibrating closer to your real self. You and your non-physical self are in sync, plugged in together in that marvelous high frequency and all that it has to offer. So when we feel good, we're vibrating faster, the way we were designed to do. We're no longer recycling any of the low vibrational fear-based stuff we live in that's so utterly far into the body. We're in that space where we can get answers and guidance because now we're vibrationally walking hand in hand with the self we really are. By the same token, if we're sending out vibrations of lack or worry, the kind that make us feel anything other than joyful, we've pulled the plug from that unseen partner. And now everything is working at cross purposes, and it feels that way. It's like giving a youngster a big, fluffy new teddy bear, then snatching it away. 
youngster isn't going to feel too hot about being disconnected from the thing which gave it so much joy. So when we feel good, we're connected, vibrating closer to the higher frequency of our expanded selves. When we feel bad or down or not much of anything, we're disconnected and flowing the foreign vibrations of low frequency negativity throughout our bodies. In other words, if it's not about joy, it's always negative. If it's not about joy, we've swallowed cut glass. The good news is we don't have to watch our thoughts every second of every day to get our lives back on track. Man, we go bonkers. All we have to do is stay tuned to how we're feeling up or down, good or bad. A somewhat extreme but amusing example of keeping track of our feelings came from a gal who was a session singer. I don't remember her name, only that she looked as if she'd been around the block more than a few times. We were recording a group of songs a friend of mine had written for an elementary educational program my company was producing. I had never done any studio recording before, so everything that was going on was new and exciting. I was having a ball. Our arranger has suggested we get some session singers for this one song. Since I didn't have a clue what he was talking about, he explained that they were a small group of singers who could create background harmony in a style that would fit most any song, giving a fuller, more professional sound to the piece. Amazing! How could a group of people who didn't know the music, who had no idea what the program was about, create a sound amongst themselves that would mesh with the theme and music? Oh well, I guess I'd find out. When the troop of three arrived, I was doubtful. They were too quick. They each looked at the music individually, chatted a bit, nodded to each other, then said, Okay, Sam, we're ready anytime you are. Huh? How could they be? No practice, no chatting with the arranger, no asking me, the boss. The intro started, the soloist was at the mic, and our session singers were behind her, with their own mic, presenting this sort of nonchalant confidence. After our soloist did her first bit, one of the session singers jumped right in to take over the next verse. We were all startled, but my God, it sounded terrific. Then the three of them were humming, then eyeing, then ooing, then humming, and then all of a sudden, singing the words in harmony right behind the soloist. I was dumbfounded. Our arranger smiled, my friend who had written the song was open-mouthed, our soloist was elated. The guys in the booth were smiling and shaking their heads, and the one session gal who had looked like a worn-out leather now looked twenty years younger. One take and we had it. Just one take. Impossible. Incredible. As the singers were about to leave, I went up to the older one, who was obviously the leader, and asked her how they did that. How could they jump in not knowing the music and create a better feel than what we had ever envisioned in the first place, and in one take? Oh, it's no biggie, hun, she said, in her almost bass voice. We've been doing this for so long, we know what ooze go where, and the harmony's no problem. The only thing that's ever a problem is my gut. Say that again? Well, if it's all fitting together, I feel like I'm sailing to the moon. 
My gut feels all excited like when I'm streaking down a roller coaster. But if I don't have that feeling, we can do it a hundred takes and not one will ever be right. Even if it sounds okay to the producer, it just won't be right. It's got to be that joy, that all, just pure joy from my gut. Then I know we've got it. This time it came right away on the first take and I knew we were done. So did everybody else. It was just pure joy and I could feel it in every cell of my body. I always do. You know what I mean? No, I surely did not know what she meant, though I do now. This rough and tumble girl had no idea that what she was experiencing was the actual vibrational shift from low to high frequency energy surging throughout her body. Nor did she create it on purpose, as we'll learn to do, all she knew was that she could feel something very special happen inside her when her group clicked in, and she rightly called the sensation pure joy. Now granted, the kind of feel-good, feel-bad awareness I've been talking about may be a whole lot more subtle than hers, but unlike her joy sensations, which only happened when everything outside of her jibed just right, we're going to learn to click in joy at will. And that's the end of that section of the book. And what a great story that when you're tuned in, tapped in, turned on, and everything's great, you just feel that pure joy. And it all works out perfectly. Let's all be in that state so that everything we want just easily comes to us. Yes, that sounds really good. And the next section is called Original Intent our treasure map of desire. As self-serving as it may sound, we came here to this blessed planet with only one intent, to find ways to feel good most of the time, not just some of the time. That singular intent to feel good is built into each and every one of us, and if we'll just pay attention to it, we'll have a personally engraved treasure map to happiness. Here's why. When we're having good feelings about anything, it means we're on track with our original intent to feel good, to be happy, and to vibrate way up there. It means we're on track towards something we've long wanted or even recently wanted. Either way, having it come our way will make us happy. We're on track towards something we believe will enhance our life, therefore make us feel better, therefore raise our frequencies, therefore bring us closer to our natural state, which is the whole challenge of our being here. So here's the key. Original intent always manifests as desire. Desire for anything that will get our passion going. Be it a new red Ferrari or a desire to live in harmony with all life. It might show up as a new desire for a clean garage, to learn western dancing, or to run an old-fashioned hardware store in the country. Or it could be an old desire to live by the beach or learn to play the piano. Either way, it's a desire, something we want. Where we get into such trouble with our desires is the hang-ups we have about them. Because depending on the nature of the desire, society has a way of calling us selfish if we pursue them. Yet if we're really following those inner urges, which will make us happy simply because we believe they will, we're following our original intent to have fun while we're here and learn whatever it is we came here to learn in the vibration of joy, not struggle. That's hardly self-serving. 
but society's pressure is unrelenting, causing all us too often to succumb to our shoulds by heading us off in the opposite direction of our happiness-making desires. Now we're off course, which is sadly where most of us live most of the time. We veered away from our original intent by vibrating in the low frequency of social conscious fear-based stuff. While that frequency might not cause us to feel rotten, we surely won't be bubbling over with merriment. We couldn't be. One frequency is a downer, social consciousness, and the other is an upper, original intent. They will never mix. So now if we stay on that off-course path, disallowing our own joy, demanding altruism of ourselves, depriving ourselves of our original intent, we've joined the multitudes righteously following their hated low-frequency shoulds instead of their high-frequency joys. Needless to say, the results of that kind of relentless energy flow on this planet have not been pretty. Let's go back to your wanting a new car. And let's say the car you have right now is in pretty good shape, so you don't have any pressing need to have new wheels, just a deep desire. In fact, for as long as you can remember, you've had this passion for a spiffy little red convertible with wire wheels. If you live in Alaska and can't stand red, play the game with me anyhow. But where in the hell is it? You've had this desire for ages. You've been thinking and thinking about it off and on for years, so how come it's not parked in your garage? Here's why. You're zipping along on the freeway one day, and sure enough, there's your dream car right in front of you. You groan from envy because you think you can't afford it. The yearning starts. You look at the car with great longing and shake your head in a man-wouldn't-it-be-nice kind of discouragement. Instead of feeling all jazzed at seeing your dream car, you're feeling sunk, accompanied with that knee-jerk reaction of, oh hell, forget it, which is precisely why it's not parked in your garage. You're focusing on the lack of your car rather than the joy of having it. You're sending out such a bunch of negative feel-bad vibrations, your expanded self is waving big red flags and shouting, hey friend, you're feeling snarly because you're focusing on the fact that you don't have the car. Keep thinking like that, and you're sure to get more of the same. A whole lot more of no car. If you really want the thing, start feeling good when you think about it. Then watch what happens. You've just been given a red flag warning in the form of a gloomy feeling called negative emotion. The warning says you're focusing on something you don't want. The lack of having the car. All because of your perception that you can't afford it. That downer feeling is a red flag. Your clue that the way you're flowing your energy, thinking and feeling about it, is guaranteed to keep your car away. So now all you have to do is change the way you think and feel about the car, and it's yours. We flow this sort of downer feeling energy out from us every day, which is why we've gotten precious little of what we ever hoped to have. We see something we've wanted in life, which could be anything from an expensive red car to understanding quantum physics. And from our position of lack, meaning that we don't have it and aren't real sure we can ever get it, our focus and feelings are squarely on what we don't have. So that's all we'll ever magnetize in. More don't have. The law of physics never changes. We get what we focus on. We get what we focus on. 
yearning for, wishing for, longing for, even hoping for are not activities of focusing on what we want. They are just negative thoughts that vibrate from a place of discouragement, a place of lack born from the pessimistic beliefs that we'll probably never have what we want. And with those kinds of feelings flowing out, we won't. We get what we focus on. Focus on the lack of something, and that's what we're guaranteed to get. Because what the universe gives us in every moment of every day corresponds precisely with what we're vibrating. The bottom line is this. If we're not feeling up when we think about something, we're flowing some degree of negative emotion. A red flag warning telling us to pay attention to what we're sending out. In our playful example of your red car, if what you're feeling when you think about it isn't giving you some kind of emotional high, some sort of goosebumpy turn-on, some kind of near buzz, some kind of warm fuzzy, some kind of rush, some kind of delight in any form, then you're feeling and projecting just the opposite, negative vibrations from your frustration over not having the car. From our focus on lack, we can never attract the opposite. To attract whatever it is we want into our life, we have to change our focus, which will change our feelings, which will change our vibrations. And that's the end of that little section. And there it is. That's it for all of us to know. And maybe we've heard it before in a different way, but we get what we focus on. If there's something we want and we don't know how we're going to get it, so we put it down and we think, oh, that's never going to happen. Then Law of Attraction is responding and saying, okay, that's never going to happen. But if we can somehow turn our attention to a more positive response, even if we don't know how we're going to get it, and we just trust we are because we know if we're a vibrational match to it, it has to manifest, then you know it's coming your way. So think about everything I read in this podcast today and think how you can use it in your life to improve the way you think about things that you want. Even if it's just the beginning of doing that, just try Turn your thoughts around and focus on what you want and how excited you'll be when you get it, what it's going to feel like. And just start. And if you've been doing it and you kind of forgot about it, start again. Make a list of what you want and ask yourself, how have I been thinking about these things? Am I thinking about it from a lack point of view because I don't know how it's going to happen? And if that's true, then start turning around the way you think about it into a more positive way. So thanks again for listening to the podcast. Tune in next time when I'll continue on with the book Excuse me, your life is waiting, and I'm sure there's going to be more wonderful Law of Attraction information. If you want Law of Attraction coaching with me, just go to lifecoachdavid.com, and you can contact me through there. I've also written a 21-day self-guided Law of Attraction program, which you can also get from my website. If you scroll down to the bottom of the main page, you can find it there. It's called Living the Law of Attraction, and that's a 21-day self-guided program That'll teach you certain processes, techniques, and ideas which will help you get a deeper understanding of the law of attraction. And the processes will help you attract what you want. And that's very exciting when that happens. Thanks again for listening and choose to have a high vibration day.